Hi folks, this is Rachel from Impassioned Art, and I just wanted to tell you a little something about Anchor, the platform that I use to record and produce my podcast, Impassioned Art. If you are like me and have been very nervous to start a podcast, Anchor makes it very straightforward and allows you to share your podcast quickly and record with ease. So I encourage you to get started and no longer put it off because there are easy, helpful ways like using Anchor to make your podcast come to life. Hi folks, and welcome to the Impassioned Art Podcast. My name is Rachel, and on this episode, I'm going to be discussing the deconstruction of Christianity and just begin the discussion of what my journey has looked like. This is a topic that I've been heavily focused on for the last couple of years, but really I've been involved with my entire life. This will be a complex topic. This will not be the only episode I do on deconstructing Christianity, but you got to start somewhere. So what do I mean by deconstruction? Basically, and you can look up special definitions, and I'm sure lots of different people take it slightly differently. But when I talk about deconstruction, I basically mean that I am looking at what I have learned about the faith that I grew up in, and I have spent my life testing it, and I'm rethinking the things I was taught. I'm putting, up, I'm putting teachings up against my experiences. I'm basically just tearing it apart and rebuilding. It's a form of challenging and learning and questioning, and it's a very healthy practice. There are definitely Christian sectors that preach um, not in favor of deconstruction, but really it is a form of questioning and being true to ourselves and existence. And as far as I'm concerned, that's a very healthy practice. So the form of Christianity that I grew up in was definitely a mixture. We tended to go to non-denominational churches for most of my life. And even though it's labeled non-denominational, that is its own denomination, basically. There are certain things that you will find at that church versus a Baptist church, etc. But with that territory did come a lot of openness to how you interpreted Christianity, excuse me, Christianity, while also coming with its own limitations. I, I really can't fully explain what the version of Christianity was that I lived under, but I can just share from my life. I grew up in a very spiritual home. Spirituality was talked about um, in my family, and from a very young age, I definitely had a connection to the spirit realm. I think some of that was encouraged by the teachings in our household, but definitely a lot of it was just innately part of me and I happened to live in a household that fostered that. For example, when I was two years old, I want to say, we had a huge windstorm and the family was down in the basement and 
my little voice in the dark and in, and in the scariness reassured my whole family that Jesus calms the storm. Another example is I was an avid sketcher. I, I just drew constantly. I had a lot going on in my head. I still have a lot going on in my head and I do a lot of creating. But back then there was a specific image at one point my mom eventually showed me later on in life of this individual at the bottom of a tree and then there were some individuals in this tree and the kid at the bottom of the tree was telling those in the tree not to worship it but to worship Jesus. So you can obviously see the Christian influence but you can also see in these stories my draw to spirituality as a child. But even before ages where I could be drawing and interacting with the topic of spirituality myself, my mom had her friends praying for me when I was in her womb. And my mom prayed for me every single day, and so did my dad. And so there was a lot of spiritual energy focused on my existence. And I still, after deconstructing a lot of Christianity, I still do credit the amount of prayer that has come into my life for a lot of the things that have happened in my life. I do think that there's been spiritual protection and interference, and I do feel very grateful for that. Um, My mom had very spiritual experiences while pregnant with me, and that has been really encouraging to learn as well. And in addition to that, my parents prayed about what they should name me, and They also didn't find out like the sex of the child or anything. They wanted that to be a surprise. And obviously, um, gender is a fluid topic. So regardless of what the sex was, you know, that doesn't necessarily impact who the person is and what their gender is. But they did feel strongly that my name was to be Rachel. And they felt that that was a very spiritual thing. And that name has proven to be something that I truly feel was the right name given to me and I do feel a very strong spiritual connection to my name and so that's been really cool to know that like you know from when I was still unborn there was a lot of spiritual interference and um, impact on my life. Now even though spirituality is something that was definitely innately part of my existence, it hasn't always been something that's been easy for me. There have been some really dark seasons, including when I was very young. There were a lot of battles that I'll probably get into later, um, maybe not in this episode, but at another time. But it was not always easy. And because of Christian teachings, and this wasn't even really imposed on me by my parents, but The idea of hell really scared me as a kid, and I would spend many nights praying that God would save my soul, and I didn't feel safe. I felt like God the Father hated me. I felt punished. I felt afraid. And then one night, I read Romans 10, 9 about, you know, accepting God into your heart and confessing your sins, and it basically has this, like, structured this structured method almost of of being secure in God and I went and followed it and then for whatever reason that night I felt overwhelming peace 
And from that point forward in my life, I've really felt the nearness of God. I can't tell you why I went through a dark period of, of feeling like, you know, God didn't want me. And then suddenly that shifting, I don't know. I don't know the purpose of that spiritually other than maybe I really as an individual needed something to look back at to know for sure that, okay, here's where God interfered. I know that I'm involved with the spiritual because of this moment. That could be it. I don't know. I really don't have the answers to that. So fast forward a little bit. I'm now feeling like I have a relationship with the divine. And from a young age, I was communicating very personally with this God. And I will say that to this day, I know that it is a spirit named Jesus that has been close to me. This spirit has been a friend, uh, has made me feel safe and seen. I have talked very casually with this spirit. So I have not thrown everything that I learned and experienced away. It's just embodied. It's just become embodied in a new way in my life. And, you know, I've thrown out some of the teachings that I've learned and I've kept other ones. So anyways, I'm still quite young and I'm experiencing these deep spiritual interactions. I'm getting spiritual insights. um, And that continues into adulthood. But I was also always very feisty. I would push back on Sunday school teachers and pastors throughout my life. I mean, get into full-blown arguments. Um, I just challenged a lot of what was around me. And throughout my life, really felt that a lot of what I was being taught wasn't what I was experiencing. And that created a little bit of a battle inside of me. For example... Being an Enneagram 4, there was a darkness that felt very comfortable in my existence. And as I've mentioned before, that darkness is something that I worked to really balance out. And now I I consider myself a very healthy 4, where the melancholy is welcome in my life, but it doesn't rule my life. Um, but, But being that way growing up, I really liked to create darker eerie things. I was very much drawn to that form of expression, but I felt a lot of guilt because Christian art tends to be, and like godly religious art tends to be lighter, which is funny because the intensities in the Bible are pretty severe, but, but I felt this guilt. I'm like, oh my goodness, is this demonic? Is this bad? And I remember feeling these words so deeply in me, but I remember questioning and then discovering surrealism, which is now something I've done a lot of, and feeling God say, push those boundaries. Listen to me. Do not listen to these teachings of what expression about me should be, but like follow my voice and my inklings. And so I just, I started to create very intense, eerie, and yet hopeful work And I cannot tell you how prophetic it has been. Um, There has just been so much feedback over the years of me creating this work. And I I, I do writing with it often where people have 
looked at it and read and read the words that went with it and just been so moved and spoken to. So that has really felt like something that was divine. So that's an example of me feeling like my faith was out of the box. Um, Another example of that is when I started to let myself be more sexually active, I felt only grace from God. I did not feel guilt. I felt like this spirit of Jesus was with me watching my journey and saying, you know what, you're figuring it out and you're learning about your body and, you know, we're in this and this is just not the kind of stuff I was being taught. So there were a lot of moments like that where I was like, this spirituality I'm encountering, it's just, it's so different than some of the teachings. Now, I, I was raised in a household that was very pro-talking about sex, was very pro-talking about the complexity of spirituality. So it makes sense that there was an element of my spirituality that felt down-to-earth and safe based on the home I was raised in. The home I was raised in wasn't perfect, but in a lot of ways it was it was empowering. But growing up in church and having the influence of leaders there certainly can also make it tricky. It has also been confirmed in my life through um, churches that I have gifts in teaching and preaching and exhortation. And exhortation basically means calling people to higher purpose, um, encouraging them towards a greater self, that sort of a thing. And these are things that I have known about myself but then also been affirmed by spiritual leadership throughout my life. And so like I've said, there's a lot from being raised in Christianity that I'm really thankful for. And then there's a lot that did a ton of damage. But I got the opportunity to preach at one of my old churches. And it's funny because um, there is and there was a lot of misogyny in the beliefs of leadership at that church. But yet God still got through to the leadership and, and told them, or, you know, whatever spirit, I say God, that could mean a lot of things. But the spirit that's been looking out for me did reveal that I was purposed to give a sermon at this church when I was a senior in high school. Because there was this thing where a senior was picked every year to um, preach on Senior Sunday. And then, like, the whole service is led by the youth. So I got to preach And let me tell you, that year was awful. Um, High school was really, it was really bad. And the things that were happening made me lose a ton of weight. I was incredibly, incredibly ill. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to stand on the day that I preached, but I got up there and I just felt like this spirit was moving through me. And afterwards, I had women in the church coming up to me in tears, women saying that they were without words, that they were so moved that, and people have told me since that my sermon was one of the best sermons they'd ever heard there. And so I really learned more about my gift for speaking and impacting people's lives through that experience. 
At other churches I went to after that, I was also given the same feedback and given opportunities to be in front of the church and sense the direction of the spirit and what the spirit wanted to say to people and really, you know, having that confirmed that things I was saying were really of the spirit. And and I also have had this understanding my whole life of these big spiritual shifts. For example, the last church that I was in, almost every Sunday, the topic that was being preached on, I would be like, oh yeah, God and I have been discussing this this week leading up to this. Like I was always clued into the spiritual shifts in the atmosphere. So spirituality has always been a really, really big part of my life. And this really isn't something where I'm like, oh, it was just all in my head because I was raised in Christianity. Like, no, I would feel a spirit interrupt my thoughts sometimes. I would, you know, discuss things with this spirit. I saw a lot of things happen in my life that were definitely spiritual intervention. And so this is very, very real to me. But also, then fast forward, going through deconstruction back then, and then intense, and then it intensified in the last couple of years, then was a very painful and liberating experience because being someone who definitely has had experiences with the spiritual, I started to question, you know, how much of this thing that has meant so much to me is actually accurate. So I want to get into a bit of what brought me to finally really take pretty big steps back from Christianity and really consider myself on a path of deconstruction. And I tend to say that it was five concrete things. Obviously, life is very complex, and there are other things that brought me to deconstruction besides these five pillars, if you will, but these are the main things that I kept coming back to. One of them is the church's teachings and biblical teachings regarding women. I struggled with this a lot because I'm someone who has has leader qualities. It's something I'm passionate about is leading and influencing people. And I was affirmed within the churches that I have that gift. But yet so many churches and so much scripture implies or teaches that women are not allowed to lead in the same ways as men. But what I found throughout my life is that a lot of my male friends, you know, were coming to me for advice and were learning from me. And so from experience, I was like, this doesn't make sense. What God would give me this spirit just to deny me of it? Also, why should my genitals impact my spiritual guidance? That just doesn't make any sense. And I was, and it just continued to alienate me because I'm also like any God that shows favoritism and says that my spirituality is less than based on my genitals, you know, doesn't, isn't really a God I want to follow. And I went to a seminary class and um, I did a lot of just digging to see, you know, what does scripture actually say about women? And a lot of what I found is that there is really no spiritual, I mean, no scriptural backing for women to be given any less authority and teaching. Um, it's been a lot of bad interpretation. 
But even still, there's so much misogyny in scripture. And Jesus is the exception to me because Jesus is just awesome. But it got to a point where, honestly, I was having near panic attacks trying to read the Old Testament based on just how much women were treated like objects. And it was feeling like, for me, I am wired in such a way that it is taking all of my energy to try and fit into the box of Christianity rather than just enjoy life as myself and fully trust who I am. So that was one of the things that really pushed me. Um, The second would be my queerness. I knew I was queer my entire life. I would talk to my mom about it. She was a great listening ear, um, but she truly believed it was just going to be a phase in my life and turns out that it's not. And sh- and she has, you know, been wonderful through that. But that was something that I dealt with for my whole life. But I was taught in Christianity that that was not okay. And so in all of that, I really felt frustrated. You know, I prayed that God would take it away. I had a deep longing for partnership, but I was afraid that I was going to screw up a marriage based on my queerness. And that was just this thing that was warring inside me and it wasn't going away. It was intensifying throughout life. And it was breaking my heart to have friends who were so openly queer And I felt like, why can't I love them and support them? Like, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't feel like the heart of God to rebuke that. So that was another big one for me that I'm like, this, this, some of these teachings in Christianity don't make sense. Um, Another big one for me was just the topic of spirituality. I had really dear friends who were not in touch with God. They felt like they had reached out a bunch and weren't getting that reassurance that Christianity was seeming seemingly promising. And that also didn't line up. In addition, I, as I got into adulthood, I started to become friends with more people who had very diverse spiritual practices and beliefs. And I realized that, you know, the majority of people out in the world who are practicing a spirituality are doing so because they are convinced that that is true or that has been a part of their experiences and I have learned so much about myself and found so much freedom by being in community with those who do not believe in Christianity and so through all of these experiences I really came to the conclusion of you know there's truth in these other communities and I just don't believe that God would demonize people for being true to themselves and I don't believe that God would just selectively, if it really was this severe, you have to believe in Jesus or you're going to hell, I think God would be clearer and more adamant in going after people. But there's just, spirituality is too complex and beautiful and I found that was that it is actually pretty disrespectful to approach other people's spiritual experiences as if they're illegitimate, but mine are legitimate. So that was... That was the third pillar. The fourth pillar, if you will, is the topic of sex. I was always a very sexually frustrated child. And I'm endlessly thankful that I grew up in a household that openly discussed sex because it allowed me to feel comfortable knowing I was a sexual being. But I was so miserable for a long time. I was not given the 
understanding of um, masturbation until I was 18. And so I lived with just a lot of sexual tension in my body. I remember crying at least one night, but I know this happened multiple times, just feeling that pent up sexual tension in my clitoris and just feeling like I didn't know what to do with it and feeling so lonely in that. And then once I started to cross the line of becoming sexually active with other individuals, I really felt just relief. There was no guilt involved. There was no looming presence of your evil, but it actually felt like I was being kind to myself. I still waited several years before having penetrative sex, but then once I started having penetrative sex, it was like this full sigh of relief of like, I'm finally allowing my body to to get what it needs and what it wants. And don't get me wrong, you know, there's a lot of wisdom that has to go into being sexually active. There was a lot of discussion I had with friends beforehand. I gained a lot of information so that I could do it safely and wisely. And that's something we can talk more about and that I, I will talk more about. But it took me a lot of years to really trust that my body knew what it wanted and needed and going after that. Vibrator was a huge blessing before, um, and I know I've talked about how I don't like the word blessing. Uh, Let me just say I'm very grateful for vibrators and that a friend gifted me a vibrator at one point because, you know, taking care of yourself and orgasming is, is very, very healthy. But putting that these teachings up to the test uh, that like you're going to you're going to lose a part of yourself if you have sex and i mean i honestly i guess before i go any further i should share for anybody who did not grow up in christianity these are teachings and i started to really deconstruct some of the teachings because people would say you know every person you have sex with you're giving away a piece of your heart and you need to save yourself yada 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 and this didn't make sense to me because first of all I was like okay we teach that God's grace and Jesus's sacrifice heals us from all mistakes but yet we're treating the topic of sex as if it's this irreversible thing that you're never going to come back from it I also started to look at the Bible specifically the Old Testament and how virginity is absolutely a cultural construct to keep women enslaved. That is something that didn't seem to matter for men throughout the Old Testament. They had concubines and multiple wives. And this just is, this is completely not something that is a mark of your piety and your godliness. And I also started to realize that, you know, a good God would not create our bodies for sex to then care that we withhold it for marriage. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense biologically. It doesn't make sense when you look at the rest of nature. It just, it's cruel. And just like I said, it doesn't make sense. In addition to all of that, when you look at God and some of the teachings about good and evil... There, to me, I've come to, to believe that evil is something that intentionally harms others. And maybe that's a really simplified 
version or a simplified description, but that's the best way I can phrase it right now. And consensual sex is just not evil. And taking care of your body is not evil. And the bliss of an orgasm is not evil. And I have only seen bad things come from purity culture. It has, it causes individuals, especially those who identify as women, to um, feel disembodied from themselves. It is something that has created a lot of divide and and, um, misunderstanding between various genders and sexes and how to pleasure each other and being okay, being a sexual being. Like there's just been so much harm. And so I'm like this, this teaching is not of God because I have felt close to God and continue to feel close to God and feel the support of this godly figure in my life after becoming sexually active. And actually, I think that saying that this impacts primarily women is too much of a general statement. I think that this impacts all gender identities. And I also do want to clarify that I know I say a lot of man and woman or male and female in this episode. And a lot of that comes from being raised in Christianity where all of this is very binary. And a lot of my deconstruction does involve that binary because of the roots of all of it. So I in no way am coming from a perspective that there are just two genders, but I um, do end up defaulting to that kind of language based on the topic. But I just wanted to clarify that because um, my intention is not at all to alienate or make this a, a binary thing. And these issues with Christianity and this deconstruction, this, excuse me, deconstructing, you know, does also include the fact that a lot of teaching is not inclusive to um, non-binary. And, you know, the actual experience of the spiritual is so non-binary. And um, so, yeah, that's definitely part of the, the deconstruction as well. And then the final pillar or push for deconstruction by and large, came through going to a uh, seminary class. I went as kind of my last reach for recovering my faith in the way that I grew up knowing it. But through that seminary class, I really, I, I got a lot of affirmations about things that I had felt about scripture for a while. One of them being that it is not all God breathed as certain Christianities, certain versions of Christianity teach, and that a lot of theologians will agree that the Bible is made up of poems and narratives and isn't meant to be looked at as a history book. And a lot of theologians believe that it's equal parts man trying to figure out and interpret what God is saying to them, and then the other, and then equal parts. God speaking to man. And so there's a lot of imperfection in it, which only makes sense, which also allows for greater interpretation. And in the midst of all of that, I have definitely thought about how, well, you know, I grew up in a culture and in a religion that was always like, don't, you can't pick and choose what you, 
believe to be true in scripture. All while every sector of Christianity is picking and choosing. And so that's been something I've had to struggle with. But also I feel really confident in the fact that, you know, God shows up to me and I'm going to do my best to follow spirituality and go through life in a way that feels truest to me. And I do believe that there are spiritual nuggets in scripture, but I don't think that everybody's interpretation is correct. And I don't believe that all of scripture is divine perfection. I just don't. And so that is one of the last elements. Um, There are, again, lots of reasons I started my deconstruction journey, but these are some of the main pushes that I received. And it has made a lot of sense because really, you know, as I mentioned before, I got to a point where I was spending all of my energy, you know, as a, as a woman, um, as someone who, who, you know, I have they, them in my pronouns, but also still feel like a woman, just a woman that is not, that is not how society tends to view women, if that makes sense. And so as a woman who is spiritual, who has, who's blunt and has a drive for leadership, who enjoys the eerie, who is queer, it felt like I had to put all of my energy into questioning whether or not I was allowed to exist in the way that felt most comfortable. And eventually I was like, I can't do this anymore. Even if the Christianity that I grew up with is true, I can't spend my life on hold. And that's not a God that I want to interact with. And so I stepped away. And let me tell you, my anxiety got so much calmer. And I still have a lot of anxiety based on trauma and whatever that that comes up. But in general, like my everyday living became so much more peaceful because for the first time ever, I was allowed to fully exist as Rachel. And that that's really, really huge. Another thing in a lot of Christianities, a lot of versions of Christianity that's taught is that you can lose your spiritual gifts and that God, you know, can change that up depending on where you're at in your spiritual journey. And that, of course, brings a lot of fear into your life. But something that's been so, so, so beautiful as I have taken many steps back and been restful and patient with myself and kind to myself is that I've discovered that all of my spiritual gifts have remained. They've just taken on new form. I still speak into people's lives, especially through my Instagram, through my surrealism, through my writing, and now through this podcast, I've still seen that spiritual authority deeply impact lives. I have... um, done a lot of photography and in the last year more than a year now I started offering these these monochromatic portraits and I did it because it felt really true to my style and my creativity but I started to get these incredible reviews and this incredible feedback from people who had these like empowering experiences and breakthroughs after being photographed by me both through the experience and by seeing the the product, the edited images. 
And I realized that my drive to help people heal and to empower people comes through me and is channeled through me even when I'm not not exactly like talking about it or even necessarily doing anything that's obviously about empowerment. And so these reflections have just, they have been so nourishing to my soul to see the spiritual channel still move through me even when I'm in modes of rest, even when I have pulled back from praying much or interacting with any deity. And I will say, even in pulling back, I still feel this spirit that I call Jesus with me. As I've been angry at the church, as I have deconstructed and questioned, I have felt the approval of this spirit as I walk through life and I'm true to myself. And so, so many things have remained that I was taught could be lost. And that has been a really healing experience. I've also still dealt with a lot of fear. I definitely went through a time of feeling like I needed to have a lot of sex in order to get it out of my system because one of these days, the Holy Spirit's going to come calling me back to a life of misery. And you know what? These are things, those are messages people sent me that I knew deep down, you know, that I was living in sin and yada, yada, yada. But then every time I have had that fear creep in, I've realized that that's entirely fear-based and not freedom-based. And even if that came creeping back, the freedom I've experienced couldn't, nothing could make me go back to that. I'm going to live in freedom. I'm going to live the life where I can radically love and accept other people as their truest selves. And so, you know, I'm probably always going to have pieces of myself that have moments of fear and doubt because I was raised from day one in Christianity. But um, this experience of really deconstructing has been beautiful and freeing and affirming. And honestly, all of it has been me coming back to myself, to the, to the kid who knew who they were since day one, who knew they were this androgynous, queer, blunt, leadership-prone individual who was going to shave their head and do whatever the hell they wanted. I did a lot of pushing back, as I've mentioned before, and I, and I got to this point finally where I am now. And none of it is really a surprise. Like it is, but also I knew all of these things. And it's the things that I, that, you know, I intuitively knew that just needed some time to come to fruition. So that's a little bit about the beginning of my journey. It's a bit of an overview of my deconstruction and I'm Sure, I will go more in depth about different elements of this story as this podcast continues, but I'm so thankful that you listened in. Just thank you from the bottom of my heart to everybody who's tuning in. I appreciate you so much, and I hope that the things that I share make you feel seen and encouraged to really lean into who you are. Much love. Bye.